Thank you. Good evening. Uh, let me say again what a joy and a privilege it has been to be here. I am genuinely humbled that Jamie would invite me here. Thank you all for praying for me. If, if there has been any benefit, if there's any good thing come out of our time together, it is because you have been praying. Uh, I stood up, I stood outside of a, an abandoned building in Sheraw and uh, told you that the only way uh, that God would do anything, it would not be by preaching and not by singing, but by praying, and God would work in our lives. And so uh, if God's done something good in you, it is because you have prayed and he has answered your prayers. So thank you so very, very much. And all who have shared uh, uh, your food with me, your meals, thank you very much. Uh, every, every meal was delicious and wonderful, and I appreciate it very, very much. Uh, the old saying is, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. And uh, so there are some of you who are dear to my heart, and uh, I appreciate that very, very much. Uh, Jamie, did I forget to say anything? That's all I needed to do. So here's a verse of scripture that I want you to take a look at. That dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. How many of you are familiar with that verse? That's your quiet time verse, your uh, life verse. Well, I, I, I told someone earlier that my superpower is forgetting. And it, ooh, ooh, there was something else I wanted to do. Let me just stop. Take two. Uh, young people, great, googly moogly. What a blessing that was. Uh, Y'all sang beautifully. Uh, some of you who are not so young anymore, uh, you absolutely blew it up. Thank you so very much. There are so many thoughts running through my mind. That young man uh, who, who sang that solo, that took me back 50 years. <laughs> I hate that I can say that. It took me back 50 years, and you blessed me so much. Thank you. Girls, you did a great job, but I'm a guy, and so, uh, you know, looking cool and being cool was never an option for me, and, uh, but you, man, God bless you, sang so powerfully. I just pray that God will keep his hand on you, and you'll keep your hand in God's, and he will lead you and keep you and guide you and use you for his glory. Young ladies, y'all are angels. You are beautiful. I, I would love to have all of you as my granddaughters. That would, be, that would be the absolute treasure of my life. And I, I, I tried to think about how to say this. If there was some way that I could put a hedge around you and you would never make the mistakes that so many of us have made, that if you would not make the mistakes that some of you are going to make, man, we would do it. And so the thought that came to my mind was that if you know the name of any of these children, or these young people, please forgive me. If you know the name of any of these young people, uh, write them in your prayer list and, and pray for them and pray for God to put a hedge around them and to show them his favor and to keep them clean and close. There's a great preacher by the name of Johnny Hunt who introduced that phrase to my life. 
and it is we need to pray that God would keep us clean and close to him. Pray for these kids that they will stay clean and close. Will you do that? Please do that. Please pray for them. They are, they are facing hell in ways you never even imagined. They, they, every one of them carry hell in their pocket, and it's called a cell phone, with unlimited access to a, to a universe of sin and temptation and destruction. And so please, please pray for them that, that God will work in their life. And so will us do that. Father, I lift every person. Uh, I pray for JB and Kelsey as they try to lead them and the other volunteers as they are investing their lives in them. God, I, I pray for your anointing and your protection. Lord, keep them clean and close. Keep them healthy and holy and, and let their walks be strong and let the, let the shadow they cast be long and enduring. And Lord, don't let anything happen in their lives that would discourage or distract these young people. And then, God, I pray for these young people that you would anoint them, that you would put a hedge around them, and that you would protect them and bless them. Oh, God, that you would maybe even use the message tonight to speak to them, to draw them to a place of conviction, a place of confession and repentance that would turn them from maybe a path or maybe a step or a direction that they've been leaning into that's going to utterly destroy their lives. Oh, God, heaven and hell are at stake. Their, their very souls, their lives, their futures, their dreams, their passions, they're all at stake. And so, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would put a hedge around them and bless them and protect them and keep them by your amazing grace. And then, Lord, anoint me now to, to preach your word simply, clearly, plainly. Uh, Lord, help me just to do it the way you want it done so that it would have the greatest impact on our lives. And, Lord, I just ask you these things right now trusting you, leaning into you. And God, as, as always, I am desperately dependent upon you. And I need you. And I cry out to you to forgive me, to cleanse me, to take control of me, and use me tonight. And we all pray together. Amen. So my superpower is forgetting. I, I've forgotten all kinds of things. It's, it's, it, I think I mentioned this earlier. It's truly humiliating to, to spend time with Jamie because he remembers everything. And he'll say, he'll say, Ken, do you remember that time when you said so-and-so and so-and-so? And I'll go, no. Do you remember that time we did so-and-so? No. But there are some things I do remember. I remember some tragedies in my life. I remember some things that happened in my life that left a scar on my life. But I also remember some beautiful things, some amazing things. And one of the things I remember from my childhood growing up in Greenwood Baptist Church uh, in, the, in the south, southern area of Conway, South Carolina, uh, in that little church, I remember a sermon. I don't know how old it was. I was born in 59. I think this was somewhere in the 60s that I heard this a sermon preached on this verse right here. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. I remember that sermon. I remember that message because I remember that after the pastor had preached that very powerful message, a man whom I was just beginning to look up to, God took hold of him that night and wrung him out. God took hold of that man that night, and, and he wept. I, I'm, a, I'm a child. I'm under 10 years old, and I'm standing there looking at a man that I already respected, already knew, and I'm watching him weep unashamedly and without any hesitation at what God was doing in his life because he was desperate to make sure there were no dead flies in his life. Let me tell you about that man. That man has been an influence on my life for as long as he lived. 
until I moved away, the name Freddie Brown had a mark and a difference in my life like none of you can imagine. Not the Fred Brown that was pastor here. Freddie Brown was a farmer in the, in the rural areas of Conway, South Carolina. He's not famous. He never ran for office. There's nothing about that man that would make him important in the world's eyes, but he was absolutely a giant in my life, an absolute giant. Ricky and I share a powerful memories of Freddie Brown and the difference that he made in our lives. And I thank God for him. And he's in heaven right now just bringing glory to God. I am sure he is face down around the throne of God singing to the top of his lungs the glory of God because that man loved to sing and he was unashamed and unafraid. And, and I may be wrong, but I'm, this is the story and I'm sticking to it. I believe that night this sermon was preached. It changed his life. Now, I'm going to be candid. I am not preaching the sermon that True Luck Johnson preached. I just have the verse. You're going to have to put up with the pitiful mess that I'm making out of it here for the next few minutes. But I want to read it to you again. Here is the word of God. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. If I can catch your imagination with me right now, I want you to go back with me thousands of years ago, and we're going to go into the palace of King Solomon. You all know King Solomon. God gave him more wisdom than any man who had ever lived. God used him to raise the nation of Israel to such a level that it was never, a, a, it could not be maintained by anyone else, and it was never seen again after his reign. The Bible tells us that, that Solomon was married to 700 women and 300 concubines. I don't have time to explain that. Ask your moms and dads when you get home tonight. But imagine with me, if you will, he's in the palace. And he's walking along and he walks down this long hall and he comes to the room where the perfumer has mixed the perfume for all of the wives. Imagine, if you will, he walks into that room and he, and he walks up to the massive table as it appears in my imagination and he picks up one of those vessels, one of those alabaster jars and he, and he lifts the lid and he smells it and it just brings to his mind all kind of memories and beautiful thoughts, maybe the sweet kindness of one of those women that God had brought into his lives, one of those people that, that he had... It, out, of, out of maybe God's direction, maybe not, probably not, uh, he, had, he had invited into his life. Maybe it was a political marriage, who knows. But he's smelling these perfumes, and they are, they are reminding him of people and moments and experiences and, and, and wonderful days in his life. But imagine as he's standing there and looking around at them, and he, and he spots this older one there on the, on the back of the dresser. Maybe he's thinking, man, I don't think that's been touched in a while. And he reaches back, and he takes the lid off of it, and he brings it to his nose, and he doesn't take the time to look into it as he should. And when he takes a quick sniff of it, it, it catches his breath. And he pulls away, and he, and he looks wondering what has gone wrong. And he looks in there, and he can see the fungus that has begun to grow around an insect. And he looks at it carefully and realizes it's a fly. And the bacteria and the fungus that is growing in there around that fly corpse has mingled with the chemicals of that perfume. And it is no longer pleasant, but it is pungent. It's putrid, and it is repulsive. 
And something that once was glorious and beautiful and full of life is now stinking and smells of death. I don't know when that happened to his life, but sometime years later, as Solomon is sitting down and writing for us the book of Ecclesiastes, that memory must come to his mind, and he's thinking about his own life and maybe all of the tragic mistakes that he made of marrying women who did not love God and allowing himself to be drawn away by desires that he should not have sought. He is remembering what has happened in his life, and he writes these words again, dead flies make the perfume ointment give off a stench so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor I'm going to just give you an old school outline and it goes like this I want to talk to you first about the existence of flies Flies are, as you will know, are always uninvited Anybody ever had a party and decided you'd send the flies some invitations? I didn't think so. They are uninvited. Flies seem to know the location of every open door and every tear in the screen. Rodney Dangerfield said his wife was so cooking that his, his wife's cooking was so bad that the flies got together and patched the screen. That's bad cooking. Flies know the location of every picnic. They are in fact, a picture of the devil who comes into our thought lives without being invited. Matthew 12, 24, Jesus says the devil is referred to as Beelzebub, which is Hebrew means the Lord of the flies. They are uninvited guests. The thoughts, the temptations, the things that come into our minds, they are uninvited, but they come anyway. They are uninvited. They are untiring. How many of us have waved off the same fly over and over, been driven to fits of anger because of a relentless fly? My wife and I got so tired of flies, and we, I mean, we weren't consumed with them, but one, how many, you know, one's enough, right? Amen? And we couldn't find a fly swat anywhere. I mean, we shopped and shopped and shopped until we looking for a fly swat. I finally went on Amazon and said, send me a fly swat. And they did. I've heard, I, I actually, I've seen it. They make salt pistols. They make salt pistols. And you can f load one of those up and it shoots little salt crystals and you can shoot a fly. Well, you talking about just making you feel good all inside. Get one of those salt guns and you can shoot them. Nobody invites a fly. They are uninvited. They are untiring. How many of us have ever tried repeatedly to stop thoughts from invading your mind that you did not need to have and did not want to have, but they were uninvited and they were untiring and you laid there in your bed and looked up at the ceiling and you could not shut your mind off. You were at work trying to do your work and there is this thought just hammering you, just buzzing around in your head and landing and annoying you and distracting you. Can I get a witness? They are uninvited. They are untiring. And they are undiscerning. They don't care if it's meringue or manure. You have to alliterate stuff like this, right? It doesn't matter if it's meringue, and for those of you who don't know what meringue is, that's that pretty white stuff on top of a pie. And flies don't care if it's meringue or manure. They are happy to land on it and consume it and do with it whatever they like. 
They don't care if you are in the sanctuary or in a saloon. Listen carefully. Some of you here in this room right now have had thoughts come into your mind and you have prayed for deliverance because you do not want to think those things anywhere, much less in church. You have had thoughts, you have seen something, something you, you remembered something, you heard something, someone said something to you, and you began to think about things. It, and for, first of all, it didn't have to be sexual. It could have been any number of things. You look at someone that reminds you of someone, and Jamie mentioned to it, I preached earlier about resentment and unforgiveness, and you could have already been having thoughts, and you, you began to think about what went wrong today, and you're just having a million different thoughts about things that have gone on instead of getting lost in the worship of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The flies are a symbol of, of sin and distraction and temptation, and they are uninvited, they are untiring, they are undiscerning, and they will continue to affect and afflict you no matter how old you are. The existence of the flies, the effect of the flies. A live fly lives only to eat and repeat. They only live to reproduce. One of the most disgusting sights known to humanity is the larva of the common house fly. It's a disgusting sight. Open the trash can and, or, or empty it and then look in the bottom and see the larva of a common house fly. It is, it is a very disgusting thing. I did a quick church, uh, a quick, a quick church, I just make it look easy. I brush my teeth now, can't do a thing with them. I did a quick search, that's what that word was. I did a quick search, and, <laughs> hallelujah, and a fly will live from 15 to 30 days. Boy, that's not long, is it? 15 to 30, right, Steve? We were talking about how old we are. 30 days is not long. But they will live from 15 to 30 days. I also picked up another very interesting fact about them. They, carry, they can carry about 100 diseases. One of those mission trips that we've been on, I was in Honduras, and, and something swept through our group. There were uh, maybe roughly 30 of us, and 15 of us found themselves on the ground, sick, doing things, their body doing things to them that nobody would want their body to do. We were hooking them up to IVs, and the only thing we could figure out was in that particular camp and in that particular area, there was an unusual number of flies. And the theory among the camp without any scientific proof was that these flies were spreading this disease among our mission team, and it was devastating them. And nothing is more disgusting to God than the foul larva of impure thoughts and deeds in the ointment of believers' lives. I don't want to be gross, ugly, or unkind, but there are in some minds in this room tonight and maybe who are listening online in this moment. And the truth of the matter is, is that when God looks into your thought life and into your spirit life, you are allowing things to remain in your life that are causing you, the ointment of your life to stink. 
Nothing is more disgusting to God than the foul larva of impure thoughts and deeds in the ointment of a believer's life. James 1, 13 through 15 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. The question for each of us tonight is, what is being reproduced in our thought life? This passage teaches us that today's thoughts are tomorrow's deeds. Deeds follow thoughts like the sunrise follows dawn. If you are thinking foolish thoughts, you are foolish to think that the deeds are not far behind. Proverbs 23, 7 teaches that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Flies live too eat and repeat. They, they live to reproduce. And as Solomon discovered in the foul stench of that perfume, a dead fly ruins the witness of our life. When you think about thoughts, when you think about temptations, when you think about going, things going on in your mind, to using that, that fly illustration a little bit further, how many flies does it take to ruin your cone of ice cream? How many, how many flies does it take to ruin your glass of water? How many flies can float in your tea until you go, you know what, I'm not really into sharing? One guy said, I'm only really bothered by the whole flies, it's the half of flies. I love old people, they laugh at my jokes. How many dead flies, how many, how many vile thoughts, how, how far and how long are you going to allow that to go into your mind? The Bible says that when we, we begin to rehearse, when we begin to tell that story, when we begin to let that video play in our minds, if we are foolish to think, if we, if we allow that to keep playing, that we will not act it out. We will. It is our nature. It is, our, it is the way we are made. It is the way we are wired. It is a part of the flesh. The ointment or perfume is a symbol of the believer's life, an agent of healing, a positive influence. Just by a believer being in an environment as they are living and flowing with the Holy Spirit and, and being obedient to God, one person can change an entire room, an, an entire environment. The ointment or perfume is a symbol of the believer's life. The aroma is our testimony. The New Testament says we are to be a sweet-smelling aroma to God. The dead fly is sin for which we are unrepentant. As we've talked about it this week, the, the fly in our ointment could be a high place. It could be resentment. It could be some wound, want, or weakness that we have allowed to, to distort and to deform and to grow into something that is driving us and moving us to make decisions that will ruin the rest of our lives. Things that we will allow into our lives that will leave such a scar that we will never be able to live a day without thinking of those things and those things having an influence on our life. Just ask anybody older than you what can happen in just a moment. In just a moment. 
The dead fly is sin for which we are unrepentant. When God draws in the aroma of our thought life and our testimony, what does it smell like to Him? What does it smell like to Him? What, do, what does our life smell like to Him? I have a, I have a friend, they, they no longer live near me, uh, but we had a great relationship and uh, got to spend a lot of time with them and and she was a florist. She was a, she was a shade tree florist. If any of you are official florist, I'm sorry. I'm speaking of a, uh, of a criminal. <laughs> she, uh, she ran a, a little business out of her garage. And her husband's named Pat. And Pat wanted me to come over to the house for some reason one day. And I, and I came in and she was preparing for a wedding. And her garage was full of roses. And so he lifted the door, and I, was, and I was able to go in. And when I walked into that room full of roses, you may not like the aroma, but when I drew in, that room full of roses smelled like heaven. Oh, it was beautiful. It was amazing. I, does our life smell like that? Is our life a beautiful aroma to God? Or are you sitting here right now, and you know what the fly is in your life? You know what it is. You know what it is. A thought occurred to me today. We all think we have secrets, right? We all think we have secrets. We all think that we have things that nobody else knows about and it doesn't affect them. Can, can I tell you something? Everybody else has a secret from you. They know something that's true about you that you don't know is true about you. Everybody who knows you knows that there is something true about you that you don't yet realize is true about you. People see things about us that we don't see about ourselves. I know things about myself. I know secrets about myself. This is my last night, and most of you will, well, I hope all of you see me again one day in glory, and what I'm about to tell you about will no longer be true, so I can tell it to you. A few, uh, a couple, a few years ago, uh, a, a knot came up on the end of my nose. I mean, I looked like the witch from The Wizard of Oz. I mean, I had a real beauty going on. And so it alarmed me because I was already blessed with a rather large protuberance on the front of my face. And so I went to the doctor. And uh, there was a cancer. It was, it was skin cancer growing on the end of my nose. And so he did the surgery and he, he got rid of it. And it was a long process and a long healing process and all of that. And now every time I look in the mirror, that's all I see. Well, that and my bald head. <laughs> I see the absence of hair and the presence of scars and ugly veins that are growing. I want you to be real honest with me. How many of y'all noticed that this week? You're going, man, what's going on with that roadmap on that dude's schnoz? Really? There are plastic surgeons. So none of y'all noticed that, but that's one of the things that sticks out in my life. But here's the funny thing, is we can be so distracted by what we think is so obvious, we don't see the thing that's so obvious that everybody else sees. So if I can just create a lot of insecurity in all of you, there is something wrong with you that you can't see, but everybody else knows. And it may be your arrogance, it may be your selfishness, it may be your pride, it may be your jealousy or your envy, it may be your short temper, it may be your anger, and you go, there's nothing wrong with me, I'm not angry. 
You keep believing that, Pinocchio. God sees us. He can smell us. We all have a smell. I don't know. We're not dogs, so we don't think about that, but we all have a smell. And I'm not talking about body odor. We all have a unique odor. You know how I know? A, a, A dear friend of mine died. And every night, his wife got his coat and slept with it because when she smelled it, she smelled him. And that was the last thing she had of him was his smell. All of us have a smell. And God can smell it. And when he breathes into us, breathes us into his nostrils, he smells our surrender. He smells our obedience. He smells our trust in him. He's not looking for perfection. He's not looking for sinlessness. He's just looking for someone who is surrendered. What stinks is what you think you are hiding from him. What absolutely is ruining your testimony is you're so, you're, so, you're, you're so distracted by something in your life that's superficial that you don't even realize what is destroying your testimony. A dead fly ruins. When God draws in the aroma of our thought life and our testimony, what does he smell? What does it smell like to him? Does it smell like a room full of roses? Or does it smell like what I came to call dog pen daisies? My wife's favorite flower is daisies. And so one day I was on the way to take off the trash. This was back in the dark ages when they didn't come get it for you. And I was, I was taking the trash off. And on the, way back, on, on the way there, I noticed growing on the ditch bank was this beautiful bunch of daisies. And no, it was not in anybody's yard, just for the record. They were wild. Anybody ever seen wild daisies growing on the ditch bank? Well, I saw them and thought, man, there's daisies. My wife loves daisies. These are free. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm going to grab some daisies, and I'm going to take them home to my sweet wife, and I'm going to be slam dunking brownie points like Michael Jordan, right? Well, I do. I I jump out, and I grab, and I pull a bunch of them up out of the ground, and I wring the roots off of them, and I lay them in the truck seat, and I head home. And I walk in, and I'm as proud as a six-year-old, you know, giving bugs to his mama. I just, just gave them to her. Man, she just loved them. And so I left and went to the church and had to do something. I came back home, and I come be bopping in because I'm the king of the world, and my daisies are sitting in the yard. And then, and then I start doing the math, going, what did I do, what did I do, what did I do, what did I do? Well, as it turns out, they had been doing homeschooling, and those beautiful daisies that made her heart throb were sitting there on the middle of the table, and they got to smelling something. And so they're all, you know, the international sign of, if you've walked where a dog has been, you look. And they're looking around, and everybody's feet are clean, and, they, and then finally... I think she leaned over and smelled those daisies, and we have no explanation, but those daisies smelled like a dog pen. Do I need to go further? Man, they looked good. I thought they were good, but upon closer inspection, the aroma they were releasing was putrid. Guys, what does God smell when he leans in? and draws in the aroma of our life. 
What does he smell? When God breathes in the aroma of our lives, is it satisfying or is it sickening? Number three, how do we get rid of the flies? How do we get rid of the dead fly? How do we keep the flies out of our head? Well, first of all, there's what I'm going to call the removal. It begins with admission. If you will not admit the problem, you cannot affect the problem. Confession, meaning to say the same thing. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, and that literally means if we say the same thing, if we, if we have the same words, if we have the same opinion and the same evaluation of the sin in our life that God has for the sin in our life, then He can forgive us. If He calls it sin and you call it a foul, that gets you nowhere. If he, if he calls it sin and you call it a mistake, you've gotten nowhere. If he calls it sin and you call it a, a moment of lapse judgment, you don't get anywhere. You've got to say the same thing about it that he does. It is sin. And that secret that you think you have and that, that distraction that you have in your mind and that fantasy that you keep playing over and over in your mind, you don't think it's hurting anybody, but it stinks to high heavens to God. And we have to admit it, we have to confess it, and we have to repent of it. Unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. If you will not turn from your sin, you have nothing upon which to base the reality of your salvation. As Baptists, we believe that when you have trusted in the redeeming power of Jesus Christ, that He gives you a new birth, and you are born again, and you are promised that when you die, you will spend eternity in heaven. But I want you to listen very, very carefully to me. If you are living with known sin in your life, and you are refusing to admit it and confess it and repent of it, you have nothing upon which to base the security of your believing. Because Jesus said... If you are a follower of mine, if you believe me, you will obey me. What does he smell? When he leans into your life and he sees what only he can see and he smells what only he can smell, what does he smell? The removal comes through admission and confession and repentance. The restoration comes through abstinence, stay away from sin, awareness, stay alert to sin, accountability, stay around people, places, stay around people in places that have a positive influence. Can I, can I go back and tell you how beautiful all of these young people were on this stage tonight? How gorgeous you were, how beautiful were, how, how amazing it was to hear you lifting up the praises of God. Your voices, you sound like angels, you look like angels, you are angels to us. And we love you and they're going to pray for you by name. You're gonna, they're going to be praying for you by name. But what do you smell like to God? What do you smell like to God? Because I don't know how old you are, but if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you aren't on the easy path. You don't have training wheels. You are as accountable to them as I am. You are as accountable to God as I am. There's no candy-coated version of Christianity for those of you who are under 18. It took the same blood to save you that it took to save Jesus. And if you claim to be his child, I want to ask you something. Are you desiring 
for God to keep you and to protect you and to guard you and not make the same horrible mistakes that so many people older than you have made. Abstinence, stay away from sin. Awareness, stay alert to sin. Accountability, stay around people and places that have a positive influence. Get in church, stay in church, and stay in a godly Bible-believing youth group that will help mold and shape your life. Men, where's the fly in your life? Way over 90% of you, if not 100% of you, struggle in the area of sexual purity. Every one of you. Let me, let me rephrase that. I'm sorry. I've misstated that. Every one of us. Every one of us. If you can still see, you are still tempted by what you see. Women, you are still tempted and distracted by too many priorities. Men are such simple creatures. Our list goes down. One, two, three, four, nothing else really matters. Men are... Am I going to have to fight? Am I going to get to eat meat? Just to be clear, am I going to have to fight? Is there going to be meat to eat? Is anybody going to give me a kiss? Nothing else remembers. Teenage girls, that's how boys think. <laughs> Try not to get them to fight. Try to eat as soon as you can. And whatever you do, do not kiss one. <laughs> women. The trouble with women, oh, how much time do you have? <laughs> the trouble with women is everything matters equally. If you're going to have an event, you care about what's going to be eaten Upon what is it going to be eaten? Do the napkins match the thing upon which it's going to be eaten? And does the silverware go with the napkin that goes with the plate? And does the plate go with the napkin? And does it go with the utensils? And does it go with the flour that's in the middle of the table? And are all, do you have a dress to match the thing in the middle of the table that goes with the silverware, that goes with the napkin, that goes with the plate, that holds the food? And if you were about to have that event and you found out that napkins were missing, how much would be lost? All would be lost. <laughs> All would be lost. And your husband would come in and just wonder if he could have a little sample of the meat and maybe a little quick kiss, and he realizes <laughs> life may never be the same. 
And we laugh at that, and I did that in a way to try to make you chuckle. What I'm, I'm trying to point to you, it is amazing the little things that can get into our lives, and when we leave them there and we do not confess them, we do not repent, them, repent of them, we do not allow the Holy Spirit to keep a short, short list in our life of what's going on and to make sure we're staying focused on Him. It is so easy for any kind of fly to ruin the ointment. Men have a trouble with what they, they look at. Women have trouble with what they think about. And kids have trouble with Snapchat and TikTok. And the Snapchat and the TikTok that your parents don't know you have. That account that, that's not under your name. It's, it's under another name, and it's under that secret email address that you have made so that you can have one life that your parents monitor, and then you have that other life that nobody else monitors but God. He knows exactly what you've ticked and what you've talked. He knows exactly what you've snapped and what you've chatted whether you are 13 or 103. I'm telling you, kids, and I mean everybody in this room, God can smell what is going on in your life. And like Solomon, maybe in that night, picking up the lid on that jar and realizing how awful that smelled. Maybe the Holy Spirit shot an arrow into his heart, into his mind, and he realized how his life had, de had deteriorated and he allowed all of these things into his life and all of these things into his heart and he had, he, he'd abandoned himself to all of these relationships and now there he stood as an old bitter man realizing that all was lost. And everything is vanity. Vanity. Everything is vanity. So what do you do? You cannot prevent temptation, but you can prepare for it. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Just before that it says, Draw near unto God, and he will draw near unto you. You cannot stop the flies from coming, but you can stop them from staying. That terrible thought that you've had since you've been sitting here, that person you remembered, that thing you remembered, that person you were thinking about, that person you have secretly sent a text message to, that, that comment that you've made on Facebook, whatever, and I was talking to the old people with the Facebook thing. Whatever you did since you've been in this room, whatever has gone on in that crazy place between your ears, God knows it. And just because it came in does not mean it was a sin. It's whether you batted it or embraced it. Did you swish it? Or did you seal it? Absence and abstinence 
will make the heart grow stronger. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Would you let God show you the fly in the ointment? And will you ask Him to take it out? Will you pray with me? Oh Lord, every one of us in this room battle the flies. Every one of us in this room struggle with our thought life. We struggle with our emotions. We struggle with our feelings. We, we struggle with the things that we think are wrong with us. We, we even struggle with the things we think are right. And more than likely, God, we're probably blind to the worst thing about us. But your word teaches us to pray, search me, O God, and know me. Search me, O God, and know me. And see if there be any wicked way in me. Your pastor asked you when we began, as, as we move through this tonight, that you would look into your own life and you would look into your own heart and you would see what is wrong. You would see what needs to be changed. You would see what needs to be removed. And you would do something about it. I would invite you, as many of you as will, whether you are pretending to sing on the stage or you are sitting in a pew, whatever you are doing, if God speaks to you about the fly in your ointment, in the name of Jesus, kneel before him and put your jar out before the holiness of God and allow him to cleanse you of that wicked dead fly. I do not know what will happen to you if you do not. But I do know if, God, if you will allow God to remove that thing from your life, it could change the course of your life. And when you are dead, someone will be standing and saying and talking about the difference you made in their life. Instead of using your life as a terrible, terrible example of allowing the fly to remain. Oh God, would you move in this place tonight with a mighty rushing wind? Would you move through this place tonight with a powerful light from heaven and show every one of us the truth about ourselves and the truth about our minds and our hearts and we would lay ourselves before you with weeping and gnashing of teeth because we'd rather die then go on living and smelling like we're dead. Oh God, have your way in this place tonight. We pray in the holy name of our King of Kings.